episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I know you've missed us. I'm Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Obviously, follow at your own risk. And joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. It's been a minute. Just a little bit. Matt, you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt. You can find us on Twitter as well at Horizon RT. You can find us on Facebook at Horizon Roundtable. And be sure to visit our website at HorizonRoundtable.com. Don't forget, of course, to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found now that we're doing them again. And Matt, we're back. Bob, how the hell are you? Uh, I have returned to Ohio. Oh, we all make mistakes. But here we are. Anyway. <laughs> I say that, but like half the people we're about to talk to today, I think, are either in or from Ohio. Exactly. This is true. So, yeah. Um, and. We are we are back and we are here for our annual well we thought it was going to be a two part episode but isn't a two part episode um, is our annual writers forum and so yeah okay so we got some new faces some folks we haven't seen in a while and some folks you probably heard a lot last season so let's start with the one you probably have heard the most from John Parker what's up guys good to be back and of course John is you know. John basically does everything. He may not yeah. have to do as much this year, which is awesome, by the way. Yeah, I'm so. excited. I'm excited to not have to hear from John as much. So, like, we're off to a good start. <laughs> oh, well, oh, you might hear from me a little happen. bit. No, 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 no. You'll hear plenty from him. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, yeah, Especially John, of course. someone lives that, up to the hype? Probably. Uh, Horizon John is where you can find him on Twitter for his, all his Horizon Horizon League stuff. And I'm assuming he's still doing the power rankings um, and things like that. And, um, oh, crud. Let's see here. Do I want to do this in alphabetical order or just, you know, let's start. You know what? Screw it. We have two Kyles this year. <laughs> let's start with the one we already know, um, who's on our video, doesn't need to be on video, Kyle Craven. But he, he's eating something delicious, clearly. <laughs> what do you have to do there, Kyle? He's in the room. Yeah, I'm eating a Jimmy Dean's breakfast sandwich, but it's like one of the small ones. Um, so it's not, I don't know. It's like, it's very, very, very average, but it's also uh, something that I could microwave for a minute, 30 seconds, and shove down my throat. So oh, dude, get that how's it going, guys? So I gotta get that in the air fryer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. I should have done it. Oh well, yeah. next time. Yeah, they, I'm sure you have plenty more, so yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, Kyle, uh obviously Kyle splits his time between the horizon and round table and of course the Norse report. So, you know, don't know at, at Norse Report is the uh, Twitter account for that and uh Hey, Kyle, I can't. Is it? Do you, is it Kyle? Is it Kyle Craven underscore NR? I can't remember. I'm gonna. I'm yeah, gonna, I, I changed. I changed change it a lot. I'm gonna butcher all of them. <laughs> all right, I've I've changed it in the past. It's uh, it is it is back to Kyle Craven underscore NR. Um, we don't we haven't really been putting out a lot of like written content. Sorry, you're break you're breaking up. I don't know if it's my. No, never mind. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Okay, yeah. my bad. Um, but I was just gonna say, yeah, on Norse Report, we haven't really put out a ton of uh, a ton of content so uh, yet, like in the off season. But hoping that we can start ramping it up this year, especially with in person coming back. Um, it was a huge disadvantage for us, like not being credentialed uh, to not to also not be able to attend games as fans. So 
hopefully you know, we're able to. Uh, everybody else got to except that. for your school. Oh. Yeah, I know. I know, and and the content was the content was really slow last year because I couldn't write about Tyler Sharp anymore. So I don't know what else we're gonna do. I mean, you could probably beat that dead horse for another three years. It seems. Hey, we have other. Hey, wrap it up. I got four introductions to do. Come on, you're killing me here. Love you, Kyle. <laughs> All right. Um, and the other Kyle is a new guy. We got Kyle Rossi. Welcome, Kyle. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Kyle, of course, is going to. Kyle, as of course you all know, we've been expanding into covering the uh, the women's side, and uh, Kyle's going to be Kyle Rossi's going to be doing specifically Cleveland State, but I suspect he's going to be doing a lot more than that. Just kind of throwing that out there. <laughs> it was funny, like you guys, you guys had uh, Chris Kilsmeyer ba- on back in the uh, spring and mentioned, that, oh, we, we're expanding into women's. We need women's. I was like, yeah, it sounds like fun. <laughs> so. I, you say that now. Wait until we send you all over the place. <laughs> Actually, you kind of go all over the place anyway. It sounds like that's just sort of. I mean, you know, obviously, uh, as you get to know me, you'll know. Like, you know, uh, people will give me make fun of me and say like, "Oh, you you drove to Chicago and back to watch a basketball game, and you know, went home that same day." I'm like, "Well, you watched Netflix all day. I mean, who's really, you know, who's really having fun here? You know, so that's just sort hey, of how I've always Netflix operated." And is the bomb diggity. <laughs> oh, I love I love Netflix. I don't know, like Netflix is kind of I'm a little more on, you know, Amazon. You can get more stuff on there and I had Hulu and then dropped Hulu and I don't know, everyone's got their own streaming service now. It's kind of annoying trying to be a cord cutter here and end up paying more money just to get every all thirty eight streaming services. So uh but yeah, that's I mean, you know, I have a, I have a Saturday free, why not just go somewhere and watch a game? Well, welcome, Kyle. We appreciate you. I know you've. Uh, I, I know you. You're. You've have quite a background, and we're looking forward. I, if you've been looking at the, I know you've been starting some. Day. Tell us a little bit about the the weekly column you started already, and I don't know if you're going to be doing that for the rest of the season, but I know you were doing it during the off season. Yeah, I think to me, it's always whenever I've been writing somewhere, it's always been important to me to stay in touch during the off season in some way. So. I did the, the starting five is kind of a link dump post that I've done a few times now um, on the site and starting five. Yeah. I believe is the name of the column. So yeah. I'm like, I you know I'm what we're going to do. I'm, the one I'm like, what a, you don't pay attention to your own site, Bob. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Roughly it's kind of weekly, but at the same time, I'm not going to force the issue. If there aren't five stories, I'm going to wait till there are five stories. I'm not going to, you know, insult anybody's intelligence by trying to squeeze some meaning out of some nothing story. And the fact is there are a lot of weeks during the summer where nothing really that important happens. I mean, that's just the reality of it. But um, like thank I said, God. I think it's the last two the last two <laughs> years for us have been insane. So, yeah, that, I'm like, thank God. So, well, again, welcome. Yeah, welcome. Welcome. The, to the, crew, Kyle. The, the, the moment you the moment you start to get comfortable with that reality is the second something huge drops. And that's always the worst part. But, oh, right, um, right. So well, yeah, awesome. like I said, I'm not going to force it, but it is important, I think, to stay in touch a little bit. So I think we're about due for another one coming up here. So I'll try to get that done this week. And, uh, yeah, it's just going anywhere anywhere around the league that's making news. And uh, we'll see if we can uh, riff on that a little bit and do something entertaining for everybody. All right. And so next up, um, let's go just go down the line. Uh, basically, most of these guys you've heard recently. Um, Alec, welcome back. Hey guys, uh, Bob, thanks so much for having me on. Looking forward to another exciting year of uh, Horizon League men's and women's hoops. 
Yeah, there you go. I'm sure you're really excited. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Cleveland State here in a little bit. Um, next up, Carrick. Carrick Jones. How's it going? I'm back for another year of what's probably depressing Detroit Mercy men's basketball. It's not going to be depressing. We're going to talk about that right after the intros, by the way. Um, I'm ready. All right. All right. Next up, um, we haven't talked to him in a while. Mark Weems. What's up, everybody? Mark, of course, uh, Mark, of course, writes uh, Youngstown State for us. And it's been a while since we've had you on the podcast. Uh, well, you know, what is there to talk about? You know, we're like the perfectly most average program in America um, who apparently can't seem to keep their stars when they want to win basketball games. So, Oh, we'll talk about that a little later on, too. By uh, so, yeah, that's going to be – yeah, that will definitely be a subject, although you did keep a couple I'm kind of surprised you did keep. So, But uh, two of them I know for sure I know you're going to miss. So, uh, um, but, but Mark, great – yeah, but Mark, it's great to hear from you. Great to great to have you on. And last but not definitely not least, um, usually we have like a standalone episode with him, but we and we will still do at, at some point in time. But you want to be on this one, Horizon Boy? Let's go! I'm excited. You guys let me on the writers forum. That's how I know I'm I'm making. Well, it. you te- well, hey, you've you contributed to us already this year, last year. So you know, stands to reason you you qualify and you're definitely you're you're part of the crew now. His yeah, like three but, articles he's written for us are like thirty times better than anything I've put out too. So like he definitely needs to be here on this. Oh one. yeah, he's he's on he's on it. I and again, horizonroundtable.com. If you haven't read any of these guys' stuff, get on it because you're not gonna be able to. Miss, you don't want to miss it. Um, I know we're missing a couple of guys. Um, Nick Hedrick is gonna be covering um, Robert Morris for us. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to make it. As was Dylan Graff. I don't know if you guys have seen any of his. Um, Green Bed Men stuff, but it's been all over the place. He's been he's been cranking it out over the off season. Um, we've also got Braden Lilinski. Unfortunately, he's not going to be able to make it this week either. Um, but he's going to be covering the Green Bay women. And uh, we actually, and I wish we had gotten him on. I hope that we were going to have him on. Um, we actually have a player contributing to us this this upcoming season, Cameron Benford from. Purdue Fort Wayne, so I'm totally looking forward to uh, that. And yeah, Will Baptist is. I know we had Nick Lawrenson on uh, covering Wright State, but Will Baptist, who was covering Purdue Fort Wayne for us last season, we're going to have him uh, shifting over to his alma mater this season at Wright State. So um, let's just go ahead and get started, Carrick. I know your time is limited, but I know you have some things to talk about about uh, say say about Detroit Mercy, and I have some questions myself because I have. Um, I, I I know Noah Waterman and Antoine Davis are on the team. Um, who else? <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, so they're back, and so is Matt Johnson. Uh, that'll be probably three of the five starters. Uh, Davis is probably going to break Rashad Phillips' record in the first ten games. Might be quicker, uh, unless he gets sick or something. He should be player of the year by, I mean, I, I'm sorry, I don't think Pat Baldwin Jr. as a freshman should be winning Player of the Year, considering they didn't let Antoine or Ray win it as Player of the Year when they clearly should have been Player of the Year. Um, but he's he brought his apparent best friend from home, DJ Harvey, from uh, Vanderbilt. Okay. And he didn't do well at Vanderbilt, but no one did because DJ Stanford. Nobody does coach. well at Vanderbilt. Jeez. No. Like Vanderbilt is like, all of a sudden, within the last, within the last, 
five to ten years, Vanderbilt has become like this black hole of college basketball. It's insane. It's not just basketball. It's football. It's it's all sports at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt wasn't very – yeah. I mean, it is what it is. But he did have a really good year at, at Notre Dame uh, in 2018-19. Averaged ten points a game. I mean, you have a six-six guy that can score at all three levels in the Horizon League. That's dangerous. Um, and then – from there, they they added a bunch of journeyman or journeyman guys. The first being Jeremy Shaw. Um, he's the least traveled of all of them. Six um, six JUCO kid last year. He averaged sixteen points a game. The stat that really stands out that we know Mike Davis Jr. looks at when he's recruiting these guys for his dad is he shoots thirty eight point nine percent from three. Um, next guy, Jordan Phillips, is a guy they really liked out of Texas. He originally went to Arkansas. And Mike Davis is apparently friends with the old coach at Arkansas. Um, you know, another six-seven guy, kind of an inside-out, but not really like paint protector type guy. Um, he did okay at Texas Arlington last year. He averaged seven points. He can fill a stat sheet occasionally, and he shoots really well. And he's either doesn't shoot at all, or he makes all his field goals, um, which sounds like a typical Detroit Mercy player. Um, this coaching staff's really high on him. They they think that he's been put in bad situations. That seems to be that what I hear about every single player that they brought in besides McAdoo. Um, so next, obviously, Kevin McAdoo. His dad was a star for Detroit Mercy in the 90s. Um, he started at Eastern and then ended up at Bradley last year. Um, they expect him to come in and, and play that point guard role that they don't really want AD playing. Um, but we saw last year they brought in two point guards and Antoine Davis still played point guard. Um, but he'll probably end up starting for him. And then uh, the trio of big men they brought in. Uh, so two from USF, Prince Oduro. Um, he originally started at Mississippi State. Uh, he had a, I'm sorry, didn't originally start at Mississippi State. This is where it gets crazy. He started at Siena and had a great freshman season at Siena. Went to Mississippi State, didn't really do anything. Um, then transferred to USF, didn't really do anything. Um, so we'll see his film. He put on Twitter looks good, but he's going against a grad assistant with a like a tackling dummy on his arm. Um, <laughs> so, you know, maybe that's the paint protector that they need. He's six eight, and he's he's a big six eight. It's not like some of these skinny guys that U of D's had in the past. The other guy they brought in from USF, Madud Alec, 6'7", eh, real skinny. Reminds me of Coca, who is still on the roster, if you were wondering. Um, so a lot of tall, skinny guys. And then they just got a commitment from Mohamed Salah the other day. Um, he had an offer from Arizona State. The guy from Liverpool? <laughs> no, uh, different Mohamed Salah. Um, he's from the Ivory Coast. He's a I got excited for a second. That's a disappointment. I know. Um, so, you know, the story is, can AD build a core around all these new guys again? Because once again, it's a new season, and the roster is completely different from the season before. Um, so we'll it see. Like, it sounds like uh, it sounds like compliance is going to be really busy with trans with those with the with the transfer waivers because apparently anybody who's allegedly anybody who's like transferred more than once has to apply for one now. Apparently, but I guess they're all cleared if they got announced. Okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah. 
So that that that's what that that's what good that does. So okay. Right. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Um, you know, I have no expectations. I would like to say they're a top three team in the league, but let's be honest. AD is probably going to stay for five years and just be one of the best college basketball players of all time, and then fade off into existence without winning anything. So um, that's interesting. We'll I, I really, I don't know. Yeah, I, I will agree that I think Detroit Mercy is is, is probably on paper probably. I mean, even even with all the new guys, you still got got a you still have that nucleus of now that you have Matt Johnson back, you still have AD, you still have Noah Waterman. I mean. Those you know you, you still have the nucleus there, so I mean that's not uh, you know Antoine Davis is you know one of the best players in the conference and has been for like the last three years. So I mean, and by the way, I also do agree with you that I think Antoine will probably win the uh, uh, player uh, win player of the year. Bob, I think I have one. Am I allowed to have one comment on what Carrick said? Oh, of course you Just can. One. Yeah, very, quick, very quick. All right, so Carrick, this isn't a debate, I promise. But I just want to take a slight issue with one thing you said very, very early on um, when you mentioned that Antoine probably should have won Player of the Year his freshman year. I, you know, just being a person who covers the team of the player who did win it, Drew McDonald, I feel like I kind of have to say that I hear you. I actually, what put me on y'all's radar that year was I came out with my this like random Twitter thread where I did like the top 10 most talented players in the Horizon League. And Antoine Davis was number one and Drew was number two. And that pissed every NKU fan that followed me off. But I have to say like Antoine should have won. I mean, their team was like eight and 10 or what was it? Like eight and 10 in Horizon League that year. I think won like 10 games overall or something like that. We, that was the best season we had in the regular season. Um, and Drew, like, I, I just, I, I, I agree with you that Antoine's stats, if you line them up next to each other, probably might be slightly better than Drew's. But just that freshman to senior, like, disparity. If you're going to be a freshman and on a bad team and win player of the year over a senior on a on the, the you know, number one seed but lost in a tiebreaker, um, you have to, like, blow it out of the water and have nobody even close to you. So yeah, all, think, that's all I'm it trying, seems like to, we've had trying to debate. I just need to more about that, and I think that's. I ultimately, I think that's what has cost Antoine over the last three years. I mean, first year obviously with Drew McDonald, and then the two previous years with Black Love. Um, I don't this think I don't think that's every- a disparity. I don't think that's going to be a disparity this year. I think I, I think Detroit Mercy, uh, especially when you look at them at the end of last year, how they did. And even with the people that they lost, they yeah, see, I think it seems to me that, that they're the Horizon they're League too. Bob, the Horizon League too has a history of kind of showing their hand a little bit. And so the fact oh, yeah. that Antoine's been in the conversation for so long, like this the Horizon League, like they you know get horny over giving it to a senior. So like I okay. genuinely feel like Antoine like, there are doesn't so many win it this years. year. But and but yeah, but Antoine's like the golden boy of the Horizon League. So I mean, it, As I'm should. with you, Carrick. This year, I, yeah, I will be like holding that banner for Antoine this year, unless he just craps the bed. Obviously, but I don't, yeah, I don't see that happening. 
I mean, I think, I think, I, I, I think, you know, to his, one of the other things last year, I think to his detriment was the fact that there wasn't that off season conditioning last year, obviously because, of the, because of the COVID, you know, this year is a whole different ball game, you know, and again, I think, you know, if, if Detroit Mercy doesn't finish in the, at the very least the top half of the Horizon League, I will be very surprised and disappointed. Well, if they don't finish in the top half of their highs and like given the president situation, Mike Davis is going to get fired. So it's 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 put up or shut up. It's it's yeah. make the tournament or it's like even if he stays for a fifth year, there's no reason to keep someone who turns over a roster like that if they are not winning. So regardless of what's happening in Milwaukee or at Wright State or at Cleveland State. It's it's win or the experiment's over for Detroit Mercy, and that's that's that. Oh, there you go. Speaking of Cleveland State, Alec, um, wow. Okay, so first of all, obviously, Dennis Gates is having the best year ever. Indeed. <laughs> um, got he is he is uh, he's he's got his contract extension, so Cleveland State fans can finally stop losing their crap, at least for the near term. Um, Not if John Parker has anything to say about it. <laughs> hey man, throw a million dollars at him. Who knows? Hey, they probably threw a million. They probably threw that much at him at Boston College, and he said no. He probably did the same thing in DePaul too, and then he realized, holy crap, I would be coaching at DePaul. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think I the X factor Not here. DePaul. I think the X factor here is his wife has a big time job with Ohio State now. Correct. So, that is true. Um, with That's the football the, yeah, program. That is true. So that is true. I, I think that was a move where uh, they both wanted to be in the same state. So I don't think he has any plans of leaving in the near future, at least. Yeah. No, no, no. That's it. Yeah. I wouldn't be. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, his wife, Jocelyn, was became a, a an AD at some point in time, because, you know, she's had some pretty important uh, associate AD roles in, in major colleges, I might add. So, oh, yeah. Uh, that, yeah, so that would be – I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. But but Dennis Gates, of course, you know, he's uh, the defending uh, coach of the year, and he didn't really lose that many people. He lost Alec Oglesby and Hugo Ferreira, and that was it. And I know, Matt, I know you're really sad Hugo Ferreira left. Well, <laughs> you know what? It, it's okay because I lost the piece of the Hugo Ferreira puzzle that matters to me, and we'll talk about that eventually. So I don't care about Hugo Ferreira anymore. I know you don't, but – um, and also, I get, and also Franklin Penn, uh, we did uh, is confirmed he is not coming back this year. Um, I yeah, he, I guess that I guess the injury he had during last season was way worse than we thought. Must have been. Probably yeah. But still, you I mean, Cleveland State has 19 guys on the roster right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, and many so, of them could be getting significant minutes at other schools in the conference. I would I would. Uh, they would be getting significant minutes anywhere, probably. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I'll, I'll qualify anywhere, but still, you know, that's still a lot of guys. And they brought in three more. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, walk me through who they brought in, by the way, because I've I, I lost count because there's so many. Okay, yeah, for sure. Um, well, the first guy on the roster that's new is uh, Nate Jack, a former uh, Florida State Seminole that uh, Coach Gates recruited. When he was at Florida State, uh, didn't really uh, wasn't really a huge contributor for the Seminoles over his career, but he is a uh, very very prolific knockdown three point shooter. So if uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll find himself a nice role on the team as the season goes on. 
We got uh, a freshman from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Cole Middleton. We have, uh, let's see. And he's the only freshman they brought in, too, isn't he? That is correct. That is correct. He's the lone freshman. I guess it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. That is true. But in terms of uh, first-year players, uh, he's the only one. Uh, Then they got a couple of JUCO guys. They got Anderson Mirambo, who who got to uh, camp a little bit late in the summer. I'm not exactly sure why, but he's there now. then they got another transfer from Appalachian State, Deshaun Parker. He's actually Huber Heights, Ohio native. So um, he's I've been following him all over Instagram. He's in, he's indoctrinated himself into the culture very nicely. Um, then they have another transfer from was it Pacific? Brock Finstone. I'm probably butchering his yeah. I'm probably butchering his name, and I'm sorry about that because he follows me on Twitter and Instagram. But I will learn how to pronounce your last name uh, soon. I, I, oh, you I, better. I, yes. <laughs> but um, he's another guy who's a um, well-traveled player who should provide some good experience on the wing and some good depth. And that is it in terms of new players. Um, the th- interesting thing is all of these guys, maybe for the exception of Cole Middleton, because I'm not sh- too familiar with his game, but all these guys – could very well uh, play themselves into meaningful roles on this team, um, whether it's as a as a starter or reserve or even like a bench captain. So, um, yeah, uh, Cleveland State's looking to be extremely, extremely deep this year. That's something I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, Coach Gates uh, maneuvers minutes with guys. That's going to be something. There's probably going to be instances where we're going to see some of the guys we think are going to get minutes. They're not going to play whole games. I mean, that's, yeah. that, but I mean, that's, that's the way it's going to go. It's got to, because you have so many guys who can play meaningful, who can play minutes and played meaningful minutes last season. That's like, yeah, I, I don't envy him on that. No, I don't either. But, uh, we have, uh, Bob has teased that we might see some, uh, five in five out, uh, hockey, hockey shifts. shifts. Yeah. Yes. Which, uh, as a, uh, Oh, God, here we go. As a fan of John Carroll men's basketball since I was a little kid, nothing excites me more than potentially seeing that at the D1 level. So, um, Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're going to have a lot of convincing me that's not a good idea. Alec, to give everybody a – like an actual reference that they'll understand. You could yes. go with the John Calipari UK men's basketball when they did the platoons. I'm, I'm yeah, teasing you. I love your – Calipari totally copied Mike Moran on that. Yes, he I, did. He did all yeah. <laughs> yes. forgot it a few years back. Yes. The whole thing. Just, Absolutely. I'm just but yes, for, the, for those of you who aren't familiar with the uh, Cleveland Division Three hoop scene, which I would imagine most of you aren't, um, uh, if you are, John, Car- John Carroll uh, ran a similar system where they uh, pretty much rotated 10 guys, 10 to 12 guys every game playing about equal minutes. So, um, and the coach did that for a couple decades and had a lot of success doing that there. So, uh, and now his son's the coach at John Carroll. So it's a pretty cool story there. But uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it's going to be a very exciting uh, season for Cleveland State to see how uh, Coach Gates maneuvers these minutes because there's just so many guys that could, that could really play um, at, uh, at any level, really, in college. So it's, uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. And they'll actually, be, yeah. And um, unlike, yeah, you know, the 
probably are poised to fit. I mean, I'm going to be very interested in seeing how everybody slots them. I mean, some pundits are already putting out their way too earlys, but that's a whole other matter, and I don't want to have a conversation about that yet. I'm sure we right. will as we get into preview week, hint, hint, coming in yep. October. Um, so next up, I want to talk to Mark because we haven't talked to him in a while. Okay, so what is the deal with a uh, so Youngstown State lost my my favorite player on the planet just because he's from Lorraine, Nas Bohannon. He went to Clemson, and then Darius Quisenberry left. You know, I that it, hurts my soul. I knew he was going to. I thought I thought for sure that Bohannon will probably go pro or something, but no, he went to Clemson. You know, for me, the Bohannon move isn't as upsetting because you at least moved into a position where you're going to get yourself more visibility. Yeah, at Clemson. Whether Clemson's good at basketball or not, that's not the point. The point is that you're going to play Dukes. And you're gonna Brad Burrell better keep him away from Dabo Swinney. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep him away from Dabo so he doesn't get CTE and he can actually play good basketball. Um, you know, I, I understand that move because it does make sense that you want to move yourself up into a bigger conference, bigger school. Um, you know, obviously he's probably one of the best big men that YSU has also. Um, had so the only thing I was disappointed by I, it would have been cool to see him be the first guy to ever have a thousand rebounds. Um, but you know it is what it is. That's amazing but, that Youngstown State is, and all their history have never had a guy. They never had a guy with over a thousand rebounds. No, no, he, no he kidding. Number, wow, he was the school number one in rebounds all time. He was in like the nine hundred and somethings. Um, but the Quisenberry one, I'm still quite positive by. You know. Uh, to leave to go to Fordham of all the fucking places in the world. Just, <laughs> I, I'm just perplexed by that. Like, I, that's not a step up. They stunk last year. They've stunk for a while. The only thing is they're in New York. Well, okay. Who cares if you go three and 20? Um, that doesn't help. Like, if he would have made a move up too to get more visibility to, you know, obviously last year he, you know, kind of went pro, kind of just wanted to see what the process was like. You know, okay, that's fine. But Fordham, I, I'm just, I don't know. That one's going to eat at me. Otherwise, I think this roster is just kind of very interesting. You know, the guys that came back, um, you know. I'm so one of the things I want to actually, this is one of the things I want to ask you about, because one of the things that Jared Calhoun did, he actually pulled transfers from non-D1. So that, I thought that was a very interesting move on his part. Right, and and I don't think it's the worst move. You know, you see a guy like like this yeah. Colin Gurley who played at Mount Union, a thousand point scorer. Um, you know, but he's a senior, so you you kind of limit your time. But you know, if it works out in the long run, I don't think it's that weird of a thing. Uh, my biggest question is. So it's also what also it's not unprecedented because we had just had we you know we had Manny Ansong from Green Bay, who was in D2, and then jumped to D1, and seems yeah. to have no problems. My, my interesting thing with this, with this roster is just, one, who is your official five? You know, you, Michael Akuche came back, which I yes. was a little surprised by. And even Garrett, I. I, I wouldn't say I was surprised that he came back, but I, I am a little. You know, especially when you lost Bohannon and Quisenberry. To me, it was kind of an assumed, okay, all four of them are going to just see their way out, and we're moving on to the next thing. But they stayed, which I think is a really good thing. Um, but past that, it's it's who else do you play? I think Shamar Rattan Mays proved himself last year when yeah. Quisenberry was hurt that he probably will be their starting point guard. 
Um, and, and Miles Hunter proved the same thing probably at shooting guard. But, you know, those were guys last year that weren't starters. So now who do you – who played well enough last year to fill those spots? I don't know. That was hard to notice last year because you had so many guys hurt and so many guys not playing and this and that. And it's so hard to say, you know. And even last year's team, you know, they won, they won nine games in the conference. They could have easily won 15, and they also could have easily won four. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting situation. Yeah, I, that really obviously was a very interesting situation with Youngstown, um, especially when you had the situation with Darius Quisenberry going down and just, you know, I, I think I really killed him last year. And now it seems like, I don't want to say they're in rebuilding, but they're kind of in a state of flux, it looks like. Right. It's just, to me, what I think is going to be interesting in the next few years is we all know, if you follow it enough, who he's linked to at West Virginia. Big old Bobby Huggins. And who just signed a contract extension up to the end of the 2024 season with an option to stay on until 27. And the, the, the option is that he can either be a coach or he can take another role in the, in the university, which I think is very interesting. Right, and I'm not saying 100% that West Virginia and Huggins look at Jared Calhoun as, oh, this is the guy we're going to pick, but if Calhoun were to ever want to prove himself to get to that point, this is your time. Because if you can yeah. get a rock like you have this year with maybe a little less individual talent to win some ball games, you this is your time. Because if you can't prove it on a roster like this, you're never going to prove it. Because at the bigger levels, that happens some years. You know, so you you got to prove yourself now, and I don't think it's a bad thing that you know YSU should kind of I think if they want to be better all the time, I don't think it's the worst thing if you're a little bit of a springboard school. Um, you know, it works for some programs. What we had. What would be something? Yeah. What what we had. It would be a first for it would be a first for Youngstown State too, by the way. (laughs) Right. You know, I I would encourage being a bit of a springboard school. Springboard school means you're being actually fucking successful. Yes. Um, which we weren't before Jared Calhoun. No. Jerry. Um, so, you know, that's, I think, something they, they should think about. That You know what? It's not the worst thing if a guy comes here and he only coaches for six years. Because Jerry Slocum was there for 100, and he won less games than that. So um, it just doesn't work, you know. But the roster, I think, is going to be super unique and super kind of odd at first because I just don't think that they're going to know 100% unless some guys in the offseason have just shined immensely who's really going to be your your top eight or nine or ten guys. And honestly, yeah. like, the, like the John Carroll thing, I don't think it would be the worst thing if they did go five and five out of times because you got to find out what some of these dudes are worth. Yep. Amen, brother. <laughs> so, Kyle Craven, let's talk about Northern Kentucky. And, you know, they're, I'm very interested in seeing where they're going this year. Yeah. Um, so just a quick recap on last year. Uh, we hosted um, a first-round game in the Horizon League tournament, beat uh, Detroit Mercy on a awesome, awesome game for my end. Anyway, I'm sure Carrick doesn't feel that way. But uh, buzzer beater by but, – Buzzer beater by David Bam, who um, I'd be remiss to say actually has been uh, he's been busy this summer. He participated in um, uh, a U20 uh, FIBA international basketball um, 
tournament and ended up like averaging 15 points a game in that tournament, uh, six over six rebounds, two assists, and won the MVP um, of that sort of. So uh, really, uh, exci- I'm excited, you know, to to watch him develop. He's going to be a sophomore this year, uh, particularly. But um, yeah, and then we went on to play probably one of the worst games, uh, probably one of the worst games we've ever played since our um, since our uh, first Horizon League championship when we lost to Oakland. Um, and obviously a lot of that had to do with what Oakland did. Um, but that's kind of where our season ended. And then in the offseason, we, you know, we lost a couple guys. Paul Joko went and transferred to uh, some, uh, I forget, it's like UT Tyler or something in Texas. Yeah, UT Tyler. Um, really, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and then um, Adam Alita was one of the, I think, 25 players that Bryant offered. And he ended up getting a, uh, he ended up going there. Um, yes. Carlos Hines, like, quit basketball. Um, and so, really? I, I think. Darius I mean, Harding's I, in the portal, isn't he? He's gone. Yeah, Darius Harding is now in NAIA. Um, and I and that's a that's a tough one for me because I was a little excited about him. But I got to say, like, and this is no disrespect to any of the guys that left. I'm just going to kind of tell it like it is because I don't want to take a lot of y'all's time going, in a, going into nuanced ex- explanation on this. Um, we pretty much trimmed the fat, I think, on our team. And replaced them with guys like Sam Vinson, who was the who was the Kentucky State champion and won the Kentucky State tournament MVP. Um, his fr- freshman counterpart uh, uh, Zay Mason out of Bowling Green um, also made the Kentucky Sweet 16. They actually would have played each other in the championship, um, but Zay's team was eliminated in like the second round um, of that Sweet 16 tournament. So I guess that'd be like what the Elite Eight. Uh, and uh, we have a couple other new guys coming in as well. Um, Emmanuel Zorgball, he's actually someone that you'll you'll see a lot more from me on him. But he's a he's a seven footer. Um, he is a scholarship player. He's not a walk on, uh, okay. and he's only played for he's only played basketball. He's a, he's a he's an international player from, and I'm gonna totally butcher this uh, this country's name, but it's like Suriname or Suriname. I can't I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Suriname. But it's in, Suriname. Thank you. Thank you. It's in um, it's in South America, which yes. our media does not cover um, that continent. So, of course, nobody's ever heard of it. And uh, he actually has a funny video on Twitter where he's actually explaining. This is so sad that he has to do this, but he's explaining like that Suriname is not in Africa. <laughs> and it's just no, it's, it's like brutal that he had to actually go into that explanation. But he said it's like a common misconception. Well, that's um, OK. Anyway. If you've ever seen Silence of the Lambs, you'd think Suriname is in like <clears throat> Asia or something. Right. Watch the movie. You know uh, what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, but I'm actually most excited. I think I, you know based on the conversations I've had with my contacts close close to the team, I think that they're the most excited about him and just in terms of like his ability to grow um, as a basketball player. He's only been playing for two years. He played soccer prior prior to that. And if you watch, like he's got a 13 minute um, video on YouTube. A lot of these guys will just post up their highlights and all that kind of crap. This kid actually posted up a full entire workout session. Um, well, I, it, obviously it's cut because it's only 13 minutes, but sure. it's a very detailed, in-depth thir- uh, workout session where it covers like all the things that he's working on. And it's got like how, how you know it's real is it's got like a lot of his misses in it. It's got some of his you know mistakes, stuff like that. But it's also got like it shows him like playing help side defense and blocking shots and just. The way this kid moves, like the way his shot form is already after only playing two years, the way he handles the ball after only playing two years as a seven-footer, 
Um, gen- genuinely, he's only missing some size, like some girth. Uh, he just needs to gain some weight. Um, and then he'll be like incredible, I think, uh, like in, in a couple of years. And then, yeah, we're returning like everybody else. So I'm extremely excited. We got the returning freshman of the year coming back. Um, Trayvon Faulkner had a uh, monumental growth year last year, stepping yes. into a leadership role. Uh, and I think I think earning second team honors. Um, I don't expect that you're going to see anyone on Northern Kentucky um, on the first team, but uh, I think that we're going to be a lot better. Uh, it might take a little bit, especially in non-conference, but I think we're going to be a lot better than anyone. Um, you know, we're one of those like under the radar teams this year. I think, like you mentioned well, earlier, of, even well, honestly, I thought Northern Kentucky was really an under the radar team last year too, and look what they did. <clears throat> Then, you know, yeah, kind of, I mean, you kept telling us how they weren't, but we didn't believe you, and then they were, and we felt raw, and we we felt contr- had to be contrite in our uh, in our apologies for being so wrong. It's okay. I mean, listen. <laughs> eventually, you guys, eventually, you guys are going to be right, and I'll be wrong, and so let's just hope it's not anytime soon. But, uh, but no, I, I understand. Like Drew McDonald left, John Brandon left. Um, we had a whole new team with a whole new coach. Uh, two years ago, and nobody really knew how good we were going to be. I I knew because I watched the team every day, and I had you know I, I talked to everyone on the team. I just I felt confident, and we ended up winning the conference. And then last year, I I said it from the get go, like I didn't think last year that we were going to be able to necessarily win the Horizon League championship because we just didn't have the top talent, right? Like all, we were a what I thought a very deep team. Um, and this year, I will say that I think we're even deeper, and we have even more like our talent has taken a step up. It's still not top of the league. I still, like I said, I still don't think you're going to see any first team all horizon league um, players on this team yet, but I absolutely think that we're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Like we're going to be solidly in that three to six window um, in this league. And we're going to be a team that like, if you don't, if you catch us on the back end of a back to back, like, We'll take anybody. You know what I'm saying? And, and oh, and I didn't even mention um, we got Chris Brandon, which is absolutely huge for us. Ah, pairing yes. him next to Adrian Nelson. So that's like it's interesting. Big, see, yes, we're we're getting a bunch of yeah. It's funny you mentioned. And I'm sorry. Unfortunately, Carrick was not able to come uh, stay for the whole thing. But yeah, Chris Brandon transferred from Detroit is a yeah, transferred from Detroit Mercy to uh, to uh, Northern Kentucky. I thought that was quite a quite a move on his end. Yeah, it's like it's very interesting because a lot of times you'll see these guys will either transfer down. Uh, I mean, I I, I, I got to figure out a better way to say it because people get offended when I say transfer down. But like they'll move on to like a lower division or whatever so they can get more minutes, or they'll transfer you know up um, so they can get uh, more exposure and possibly break in or whatever. And then you got random dudes like Quisenberry who transfer laterally, but like to a whole different. Con- yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm 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 oh, here for the yeah. I've seen. I'm here for the conference on conference crimes. Lateral <laughs> is certainly yeah. a word I yeah. describe that. Uh, for yeah, yeah Fordham, The only reason Fordham is in the A10 is because they're in New York. I'm sorry, that's the only reason. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, but I'm I'm just really excited, Bob, because like you know, this is a team that like one of the biggest knocks on them oh, is like, rebounding and stuff like that. We were one of the best offensive rebounding teams last year. We had Chris Brandon. We had Sabian Sims, uh, a 6'9 shooter out of uh, North Dakota. 
So we're we're going to be, again, we're going to be a sneaky team. I know we're not going to be the sexy one everyone wants to put in the sure. top four, but uh, so, some of y'all probably should because um, yeah. you will be rewarded for doing that, I think. Yeah, sure. Um, speaking of, uh, by be. the way, um, yeah, moving on. Matt, where are all the big men at, at uh, Oakland? It seemed like, like they all disappeared off the planet. All right, so I'll try to make my, my Oakland stuff quick. Um, yeah, they lack size, and that's going to be the only thing that keeps Oakland from being probably a top three team this year. Um, they did just add um, some size the other day. Um, they were able to get Braden Burke um, eligible as a transfer in. He's been sitting on Michigan State's bench. He's a former Robert Morris. He started his college career there. Uh, he was at Central Michigan last year but didn't actually see the floor due to COVID issues and all that. Um, so he's going to get his his sixth year at Oakland. He's a seven footer, two forty. Um, he's I think he's just going to be depth. Um, I'm pretty pretty yeah. confident they're going to really roll uh, Chris Conway, who rolled the bench last year, but kind of got to essentially get a free redshirt year in out of that whole deal last year. He got to see the floor a little bit. He's a six nine out of uh, Illinois. Um, but other than that, they're going to just out athletic people in that zone that we saw last year. They have really doubled down on. Um, they added uh, Jamal Kane from Marquette. Um, I think he's going to pretty much become um, Dan Oladapo. Um, but Oladapo was kind of playing the five. I, Kane will play more of the four. Um, so they're really just going to have a lot of wings and guards. And they're going to really use throw that that zone and make people beat them that way. And I, I think they could actually have a lot of success with it. You know, if Michael Parrish and Townsend continue on the, the well, what they started last year, which was ridiculous. No one expected that out of them. That was great. You know, like obviously uh, you've got Jalen Moore. Jalen Moore is going to continue to be one of the best point guards in, in the in the entire country. He, yes. Led, he led the country in assists last year. There's no reason to think he probably won't this year. Uh, losing Rashad sucks, but uh, the reality is Rashad was brought to Oakland under the promise that he'd be the point guard and was given the chance to be a point guard and isn't a point guard. So when they brought in Jalen Moore, the writing was on the wall that Rashad wasn't going to be back uh, for next, next year. Um, okay. So, you know, like... Other than lacking some size, and, you know, that sucks. I, I know they made the run on a couple people, and they didn't land them. And um, Braden Burke at least gives them a little bit of depth. Hopefully they can, you know, get get them just to be a rim protector. That's that's really what they need out of out of their, their biggest guys is to be a rim protector on that zone. But otherwise, this team can score. This team can, can do a lot of things. They're not that much different than last year, despite losing uh, Rashad and Dan Oladapo. Yeah. Wow, it seems like we went through almost an entire podcast episode with not without mentioning Paul, Pat Baldwin Jr. Just very little. So, um, <laughs> wasn't it nice though? I mean, I'm just curious, we're gonna talk uh, about this so no, much. it's not it nice. Like, yeah, it seems like we haven't talked enough. It seems we like we need to do like a uh, you know we have to do like more today. Um, Wait, I'm sorry. I, who are we talking about? We're talking I, 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 about. This, Pat, this uh, Pat Baldwin son, you might have heard of him. Oh, a coach's son like Antoine. Got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he talked a little bit about it. We had him on, talked a little bit about it. Um, yeah, so that changes kind of the – which is ironic. That kind of changes the dynamic for – significantly changes the dynamic for Milwaukee, even though, you know, T. John Lucas is gone. Enter Pat Baldwin Jr., and DeAndre Golston's back, and you know a bunch of other guys. Josh Thomas. Josh yeah, Thomas, um, absolutely. I mean, Milwaukee losing Tijon is going to be. It, that's going to make them kind of an enigma because you are relying on Jordan Lathan, who um, I'm still excited about. There's been some some of the uh, kind of, I guess at the time, independent national 
coverage guys who were a little bit more hesitant, but um, you're relying on him at point guard. You're relying on some growth from some of the freshmen last year because without Tijan, you know, Lathan and the returning, you know, young guys are what they have at point guard. Yes. Um, so that's going to make it kind of an enigma. I, I honestly, I do think it's going to be a bit different. Um, there were sh- concerns about Lathan's shooting as a sophomore. Um, when you can dish it out to a six foot 10 guy who can hit threes, uh, you might get a little bit more space to operate. Um, and I mean, I think they're going to have the ball in Pat Baldwin's hand an awful lot. <laughs> um, yes. He's, he's a, you know, combo forward with the size of a power forward for, I mean, size of a center for the horizon league. Um, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a little bit of an enigma because obviously a lot of people aren't super sold on Pat Baldwin's coaching, but um, I mean, it's a game changer. You've got, they'll probably run out a lineup of six, four, six, five, six, five, you know, six, I don't know who would be six, seven <laughs> and then six, nine. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's going to cause problems when the bigs can shoot. True. True. Indeed. Um, wow. And I'm going to open this since, uh, you know, I want to open this up to everybody because obviously this, uh, you know, Pat Baldwin Jr. being in the Horizon League is probably the biggest deal we've had in a long time. And just from your guys' perspective, how does that impact the conference and maybe specifically your teams individually um, with his, with him being in the conference and his, having to compete against him at least twice? A very, very positive impact for Milwaukee. Oh, duh. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give an outside perspective that you're probably not expecting. Um, I think it's obviously great for the league. Uh, Sure. Number one, we're going to have a ton of national exposure. We're going to have a dude in our conference listed on every single lottery draft board for the entire season. Um, It's great for fan excitement, um, especially for us. We need our fans not just they don't just need to love NKU, but they need an adversary. So like every time Wright State comes in, <clears throat> that or you know that's the team that we love to hate. Antoine Davis has always been like there's always been a bit of a rivalry between NKU and Antoine Davis specifically, and and obviously by extension Mike Davis. So I think this like common evil, I guess that we can all kind of hey. uh, collect collect. No, just hear me out from from the NKU's perspective. There's now like an, an added villain to the to the Horizon League that we can all kind of like come together to love to hate. You know what I'm saying? And sure. it's definitely going to be used in marketing to try to get people out to the games. Um, and from a fa- from a fan of basketball's perspective, like me, I I want like I'm going to be sitting courtside this year, and I'm going to be most likely on uh, I can't remember if it's the NKU bench side or the Milwaukee bench side, but regardless, I'm going to be at the baseline watching Pat Baldwin. Uh, for half of the game scoring on the basket I'm sitting by. And like, I, that's amazing. That's incredible value. Like the fact that I'm going to get to witness a future NBA player at NKU's arena is the coolest thing ever. I hope he scores 40 and I hope we win by two. So like, <laughs> I just, I, and, I, and from a, and, and one, one more very quick thought from a strategic perspective, it's going to be like, I've already, I've already been talking. I can't tell you who, but I've already been talking to, um, people that I am close with uh, within the NKU like sphere and uh, but just about game plan and like how 
how do you even like guard that guy? Like, what do you do with the personnel that you have? Um, because like John was saying, I mean, this is effectively uh, maybe this is like Michael Porter Jr. Just went to a Horizon League team. You got a guy who can handle the ball as good as anyone in the league, can shoot, you know, tremendously well, um, and also is 6'8". So you can't put a point guard on him to keep up with his speed because he's going to shoot over you. You can't put a big guy on him to keep up with his size because he's going to drive around you. So just watching how these teams are going to game plan specifically for him, um, I think that's another added bonus for Milwaukee players as well because they're all going to get the chance to step up. So it's just going to be a lot of fun, man. It's a whole other added wrinkle that we're not used to seeing. So... All right, I got to come in and be the other guy, as I always am. All right, so here's the thing. like Pat Baldwin Jr. to Milwaukee is great for the league. I, I do not disagree. But then that's about where I stopped caring because guess what? Like Everyone likes to talk a, a lot about how like Oakland plays this stupid schedule, but when they do that, they do things like play at Oklahoma State last year where they played Cade Cunningham, the number one pick, who's probably just like Pat. I mean, he's very similar to Pat Baldwin Jr., except he's a better point guard, really, at 6'7". You know, like... They had to play him last year. So, yeah, it's really cool that you'll get someone like Pat Baldwin Jr. into your home arena, and, and every team should hopefully capitalize on that because it is cool to see guys like this up close. But in the grand scheme of things, Milwaukee's not necessarily going to be that great a team, and I don't know if he can carry them to something that great. And I so, think that's the big thing that we need to, like, that's the thing. I, yeah, and it's it's and it's crazy to think about that because of, the, you know, how how great how much hype you're getting with that guy but yeah that's that's definitely a thing where yeah that's gonna most, be an most issue of these teams have played guys just like pat baldwin jr just not usually from w- within league so that's really cool and again capitalize on that so sell good tickets but you know what i'm not i'm i'm excited to see him we'll enjoy the year but I, i'm not that overhyped about it personally i'm not yeah. making the argument that they're going to finish first, second, or third in the league. I'm simply saying that Pat Baldwin, like, unless you run three dudes at him, like, that guy's going to get his buckets. Like, he's going to he's going to set the league on fire statistically. And I'm just saying as a basketball fan, it will be fun to watch, like, that individual performance. I do agree with you, Matt. Like, I have – I don't even know – like, I'm glad we're not even doing rankings right now because I have no effing clue what to do with Milwaukee. No idea. Yep. (laughs) Welcome to my life. Well, tick, tick, it's coming in the month and a half. Um, so, yeah, that's... one interesting thing about it real quick, that I think what Pat Baldwin does for the league is create a barometer for a lot of these kids, a lot of these dudes, to see, like, all right, I'm playing at this same level, great, but this dude is not at my level, and that's the level I have to get to to be an NBA prospect. I think that helps a lot of guys in a way. Even even if a guy's bopping your ass night after night, putting 35, 45 on you, like you're seeing it live in person. And I think that happens even in the bigger conferences. You can't tell me guys playing at uh, Texas or playing at Iowa State weren't getting shit dropped on him by Kate Cunningham and going, ah, I don't want to be that guy. You know what yeah. I mean? I think that helps a lot of these guys realize, like, man, there is another level that I have to get to. And some of it they can't control. You know, guys sure, are just right. not- talented like a like a pat baldwin very well is and you know you can't control that but i think it's a great barometer for these guys too to say i need to elevate myself i need to push myself that much further because not only could he bust my ass but people are coming to see him bust my ass (laughs) 
awesome so, point. Yeah, like to that, to that expectations, uh, basically. To your point, I mean, with that said, I mean, this also speaks kind of to the ongoing discussion we've had about you know the parity in the Horizon League. We've talked for years about kind of the the logjam in the middle of the uh, middle of the conference. We've also been talking about you know the the issue that this conference has perennially had in being competitive enough that there is the opportunity to get more than one bid in the NCAA tournament. Is this the year that this happens? I know Carrick isn't on here, and I know he's been really driving that point home. But is this the year that that may be a possibility? I don't think so. Really? If Oakland sweeps their non-conference play, uh, <laughs> then it might happen. If Oakland, if Oakland sweeps their non-conference play, I'm finding a hill to live on because the world is coming to an end. Look, well, that's happening anyway, so. That's true. No, I, to answer your question, Bob, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced. I mean, I've, I've said for a long time that I think you're going to have to have a team that almost, like, I mean, you can you only have about the you only have the leeway in the Horizon League to lose maybe two games, and I, I'm not even talking about in conference. I'm talking about for the season, um, and then and then still make it at large bid. So, and you're still with even even if you went 28 and two or whatever it would be, uh, and got eliminated in the first round of the Horizon League tournament or the semi. Actually, it have to be the it have to be the championship game, my um, in my mind. Um, even if that was the case, like you'd still have to have a couple of quality non-conference wins. So it would have to be like the right team. It'd have to be like, I, and I don't know what Milwaukee's schedule is, but like a team like Milwaukee um, with a Pat Baldwin on their team maybe could get it done if they were able to put together the resume. Oakland, obviously, would be another one you'd look to. Like if they were able to get a couple um, big, big wins and then just sweep the Horizon League, um, put themselves in like a maybe a three, two, three loss position, uh, heading into the championship and then lose in the final, they might have a shot. But like, I always think about like the Murray State Belmont and uh, the OVC and the was the OVC like a few years ago. Yeah. Do you remember that? Um, I do. Yeah. Yes. With where like even that game, like I think Belmont Belmont might have been in at large. They were saying, but Murray State like had to win that game to even get in the tournament. And I think that that might have even been the year they had John Morant. And it so was. I was like, it was. They went yeah. to the NCAA tournament. They beat Marquette. John Morant right. put his, uh, his uh, we'll say, crotch on one of the Hauser brothers' foreheads. It was the greatest moment <laughs> I've ever watched. Amazing. But but my point is, nobody in the Horizon League is those two teams, right? And, like, they struggled. Like, like we're talking about Murray State might not have been an at-large bid. Belmont, what they were saying, probably, but we don't know how it would have played out. So it's like... I just think we're not there yet, man. I think it's it's sad, but it's and maybe it's interesting a reality you say we that because of the fact that we've had uh, we, we it's interesting you say that because we've had teams in this conference that have gotten that have improved themselves year in year over year, um, or have been consistent doing consistently well, like a Northern Kentucky, like a Wright State. Even I mean, honestly, even without without loud and love went pro um decided not to uh you know opt out of the senior year you still have grant facility and you're they're still going to be in the conversation cleveland state obviously is in the conversation again um you add all of these and then 
you know, you add in a Detroit Mercy that has, you know, the potential to be the, a top team. You ha- Obviously, you have Milwaukee, who is with the Pat, Pat Baldwin Jr., and, you know, a lot of different ex- – I guess the question that I have here at this moment, and again, because I keep having this question, is, you know, wh- what is the – you know, how much does the divide of those who have made the, made the efforts to improve and those who have just kind of not – you know, where, where does that come in? I mean, we haven't even talked about, you know, you know, the Robert, you know, Robert Morris and, you know, they basically shifted out almost their entire roster and, or something like that. It's, it, I, it, it seems to me there's still too much of a divide, if you will, between the top teams and the bottom teams where, you know, maybe they're not, the bottom teams are going to be too much of an anchor still, even now to, you know, where it's not, where it's going to be um, beneficial to the league. I don't know, but I think it does yeah. have a lot to do. But also at the same time, I think there, the non-conference does have a lot to do with. Uh, is going to have a lot to do with, you know, where the league is going to be situated in terms of, you know, tournament seating, blah 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 blah. blah. Um, but that's just a whole. I mean, but again, no, it, it's been a long time since a Horizon League team has defeated. Any you know a a a power five team a power five team, especially one that happens to be ranked. So you know that that yeah. there's an issue there. I'll, I'll I'll give a short answer and then I'll seed the floor for the rest of the call unless someone has a direct question for me. I think that the formula is you need a team that's going to be nationally recognized, similar to Butler, right? And the way to do that is to orchestrate a run in the tournament. And I'm not saying a Final Four run, but if a Horizon League team is able to accomplish a even a first-round victory or, ideally, a Sweet 16 run, um, then you're setting yourself up in a position to th- be that team that is always going to be in the at-large conversation. But I just don't see a situation, Bob, in the next 10 years even, where this league has two at-large or two, two uh, NCAA tournament spots kind of allocated towards it um, and those teams can be interchangeable. I just don't. I don't see that happening anytime soon. But I would love to hear other people's opinions because I've been talking a lot the last ten minutes. So, <laughs> I, I got nothing. I mean, I was gonna try to run point and ask a different question. I, I I don't have a thought on this right now as far as what's that, intri- that big outlook. Yeah, so it's funny because we talk about conversely, we could let's. I'm going to switch it over to the women on now because conversely, yeah. you have the opportunity. It seems like you have an opportunity of kind of a multi bid thing going on on the women's side. I mean, you got obviously you have IUPUI, which loaded up again. Um, you know, you have you you get ahead, but you know, Northern Kentucky has has improved. Cleveland State's improved. Um, right state's probably going to be kind of in the rebuilding gear, but other than that, I mean, do you, it's interesting that the, the, the dynamics of on you know on both sides of the ball. I mean, it is it, it's striking that where we talk about where we've been talking about this for years about the men being you know <laughs> never really getting to the point to where they're, you know, in a multi-bid situation where the women may actually be in that situation now, theoretically. Yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating to me because, yeah, the women had a phenomenal postseason last year. You had, you know, Wright yeah. State got the auto bid. They went and beat Arkansas. 
Yep. Milwaukee just absolutely beat the brakes off of Drake and WNIT game. Holy God. Oh I, I, I can't remember where I was that day. I went and checked the score. I'm like, oh, this, I did, literally didn't believe it and had to check somewhere else. But, um, yeah, and then, then Cleveland State went and uh, won the WBI, which was, I think, a nice thing and dovetails into uh, you know, what you see with their out-of-conference schedule this year, what they're trying to do. But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, It'll take a lot, and I don't think the dynamic's entirely different from the men's side because you're still going to need a team that's built up that reputation where, you know, if you look at, like, what Butler was in the 2000s before they made the, the championship game runs, they were still that team that nobody wanted to play in March. They'd win a game or two every single year pretty much and built up that reputation. So you're still going to need somebody that has the consistency year to year. Maybe IUPUI is that team, or Milwaukee. I think either one of those are probably your best candidate there. But sure. Okay, can the I just same say can I just say the fact that we're talking about women's basketball and you mentioned Milwaukee and not Green Bay is my favorite thing ever? <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking, you know, when I was prepping for this, you know, I look at, you know, Kyle Recklitz, uh, you know, played at Wisconsin, obviously has coached, you know, Milwaukee now and is intimately familiar with Green Bay. And I, to me, you look at that, you know, that team, the style they play, the absolutely suffocating defense. I mean, I think she's trying to duplicate the Green Bay model a little bit and has been very successful with it to this point. When I was in college, I was watching us play Green Bay. There was a, a play. It was, I mean, we're not going to say when, um, uh. but the, it was an extra pass to get a wide open shot. Another extra pass to get a wide open shot. Another extra pass to get a layup with nobody else Nobody in a black jersey on the TV. Like, they got an uncontested layup in the half court. Oh, my God. It was I, – I hated that I did it, but just had to cheer for that one. That was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at what Green Bay has been able to accomplish is phenomenal, and I think, you know – little teaser alert i think i mentioned on twitter that i just read the the book that just came out about that program and they've you know what they really have put together over the last couple decades and even going before that the roots where that took hold is absolutely phenomenal i think they're a little bit at a crossroads now though i mean they have you know departures and you know ropes and uh transferred to a uab as a grad transfer and you know you have to kind of try and figure out what, what's next for them because, you know, one of the funny things that I saw with them is they had, I think, since they joined the Horizon League, they had something, I don't remember the exact numbers, but they had something like a 65 and four record against Cleveland State or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. And Cleveland State took two out of three from them last year, including in the tournament. So, you know, are they, yeah, are they, are they fading a little bit? Or they, is there another run in them? I don't, I don't know. I don't think they're one of the conference favorites right now, but they're still certainly in that second group to me. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Horizon Boy, we haven't heard from you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we know you're you're our kind of, uh, you know, prognosticator is to, you know, our, I don't want to use the word prognosticator, but you're all about, you know, you're all about the, the, you know, the, the odds and things like that. Where do you see, uh, where do you see everybody situated this year? He's our resident degenerate gambler. Say it. <laughs> he is <laughs> not. <laughs> no, I no I'm pretty sure that's still <laughs> Carrick. <laughs> well, the difference is horizon boy actually seems to win where Carrick still owes me a lot. Right. That's why Carrick's the degenerate one. <laughs> 
Sorry, go well, ahead, Horizon. I, anyway, actually, this would be this would be my sixth season cap in the Horizon League, and last year was the first one that I was under 500. So wow. call me Byron Rim because uh, I'm going to be in trouble if I have another under 500 season. But um, yeah, I'm excited to get back into it. One team that I have not heard their name on this podcast so far that I think is going to be a, a thorn in a lot of Horizon League team side like that you come into the weekend you're expecting a win and these guys will screw up your plans uh purdue fort win i think i think they're returning a lot of guys See, this is where we had needed to have cameron on right i know no, but I, I, I mean they're returning a lot of guys and we and got the momentum in the tournament at the end of the year they're they had a weird entrance to the league but i kind of feel like they found each other by the end and i think they're going to be a real frustration uh, for a lot they, of teams, they got a couple of new guys coming in. They got the the one the the one point guard, uh, Damian Chonkey. That guy's yeah. supposed to be like amazing. Yeah, he was really good. And he's he's real tiny, right? <laughs> he's yeah, like five, definitely five ten, five eleven, or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, he's coming he's gonna, in. He's going to make Jalen Moore look tall. <laughs> yeah. But, so now they, so you you have him on the ball, and then obviously you got you still have Jared Godfrey and Jalen Pipkins coming back. So yeah, that's going to be interesting. The one thing that I think is going to be, um, again, that X factor for them is going to be the size. And I think that's going to be big this league, But if if multiple teams are missing bigs, then nobody's missing bigs. So, you know, when they play each other, I think we're going to have a. a a lot of uh, small matchups and a lot of guys running. So that, uh, so that Purdue Fort Wayne Oakland game is going to be a barn burner then. <laughs> right. I mean, you have guys like like Townsend on Oakland who's six six, but they're going to kind of play big because they have to. Sure. Horizon boy, I have a question. I don't. I don't know how well you keep your stats. Which team did you get beat on the most last year in your first sub five hundred year? Uh, that's a great question. I, I, I have all the stats. I don't have them up right now, but I, I seem to die on the hill of the Mastodon. I'm betting against the Mastodon. Flag. Just checking. Maybe that's why I'm cross. I also was a huge believer in UIC and kept thinking, oh, well, now the, now's the time they're going to come together because they had all those transfers and so much talent, and they never quite pulled it together. So I definitely lost a bunch on the Flames. Especially in the second half of conference play, I think I we all UIC seemed, and I, we haven't talked. Obviously, we haven't talked uh, at all about UIC in this podcast so far. But UIC was a weird thing last year because it seemed to me like for the first half of the season it is like they had like whole groups of guys that weren't even on the on the uh, weren't even available for games. Um, which really hurt them, I think. And I think that's probably, and I think to your point, I think that led to kind of their their demise, if you will, over the last year. Yeah, no, I just kept thinking they were going to bring it all together and it never quite happened. They had different scores, like you're saying. It seemed like every game they'd have someone go off for 15 points, but uh, they just couldn't find a rhythm. And I really thought they would. <laughs> yeah, that was the hope, but it didn't happen. So, I no figure. So, you, UIC was pulling a heist all along. Again? <laughs> Still. That's the heist. The greatest gift the devil ever pulled was convincing they didn't exist or something like that. Uh, cruel intentions quote. Just go with it. You're, watch it. No. That is an unusual suspect. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Wrong one. Yes. Unusual. Yes. That one. Basically the same movie. 
I no very way. different. Yeah, actually. I say so. Love both those movies, but very differently. Uh huh. Anyway, um, so I guess we'll go ahead and with that. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. Or yeah, I, I was hoping we were just going to go ahead and just have our regular. But you know, we haven't been on the podcast in a while, so you know, we have to supersize it. Had to do it. Just had to do it. Um, I, I know a bunch of our guys fell off, but again, uh, thanks to Kyle Rossi, Kyle Craven, uh, Alec Quate, Mark Weems, Horizon Boy, Carrick Jones, Matt, John. Am I missing somebody? I know I'm missing somebody, and they're going to be mad at me later. But yeah, <laughs> good talk. <laughs> so, <laughs> man, that was this is fun. We we didn't even have everybody, and look how much we have to talk about. Twelve teams, almost everybody. Why do you think I wanted to break this up into two days? Nah, for all. Doesn't matter. All right, um, but again, be sure to catch all of these guys on HorizonRoundTable.com. Um, that's where the you know. Our po- all our podcasts, our old podcast episodes are right, and all of our articles, everything is there. Um, and we're you can find us where podcasts are found. Um, next weekend is Memorial is late. See, I have no concept of time. I just I was about to say Memorial Day weekend. No, it's Labor Day weekend, so we're probably not going to be doing anything unless some um, surprise interview comes up, and that will be the end of it. Um, but we'll we'll be back in September. Um, hey Bob, so, do you know what we forgot to do today? What did we forgot to do today? We did like halfway through. We th- that isn't that when we were gonna do like a cold read on on a random ad for either like someone's nil or something. Like we got to start getting <laughs> this lined up. That's right. This is very true because we see the kids coming up with uh with the now that nil is a thing. We've got players that are representing there. We got players rep uh that they're uh, posting products. So yeah, you know, get on it. You gotta throw <laughs> Izzy Gerasi a bone in there somewhere because I saw she has this ad for Ohio Clothing Company and they show it on Facebook all the time but it's just a picture of her wearing a shirt. It doesn't even show her name or that she plays for Cleveland State or anything like that. I feel bad for the kid but hey we want your I and not your NRL so much so it's just how it goes I guess. Hey okay. but seriously if you're if you're a student athlete right yes, now let us know. We, we, we will give you that shout out. We can have you on. We can talk about these things like we have. Absolutely. We have I mean, Jalen, Jalen Moore this weekend he's doing his, uh, he's doing his basketball camp had we been around in over the summer we would have pimped that big time i don't know how big our following is in the uh, cloverfield indiana area but yeah, i don't care it would have <laughs> if it would have made another you know if it got another one or two kids to go it worth it totally worth it absolutely um, but yeah so um yeah be on the lookout for that too i'm looking forward to that one um that's going to be interesting so um until next time thank you all for listening